about prayer, and uh, we're going to talk about a, uh, I guess, a method of prayer that usually strikes in circumstance, and of, and it's rightfully so, rightfully so, and we're going to talk about God listening to the cries of the desperate. God listens to the cries of the desperate. Uh, it's in these desperate moments sometimes that people feel like God has abandoned them or God no longer hears their prayer. Uh, how many of you remember the, There's it's on thousands and millions of plaques around the world. It's the, uh, the little uh, story about the man walking through uh, or down the beach, and he sees two step, sets of footprints, and I think the title of it is Footprints, and, and the storm comes up, and, and he looks back, and he starts noticing one step of a uh, set of footprints, and he begins to question God, and, and why, when it was easy, are there two sets of footprints, one belonging to me and one belonging to you, and then in this desperate time, do I see one set, me walking alone, and God said, no, you're misinterpreting, it's now carrying you, I'm carrying you, and in desperate times, in desperate situations, um, people oftentimes feel that God abandons them, that God no longer hears their prayer, and uh, it's these times, a lot of times, that God is actually carrying us, so we want to talk about that uh, this morning. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, uh, we, we mentioned this story last week about Peter being arrested, he's being kept in prison, he is scheduled for execution, and uh, because of the government's fear of him escaping, they put extra guards, 12 extra highly trained Roman soldiers to guard Peter to make sure nothing happened to him, not only that, they shackled him hand and foot, so he could not, uh, they shackled him to guards, They uh, so he could not get away, they also put him in prison behind uh, bars, and so he seems to be in a pretty impossible situation. Now, the apostle James had just been executed, so the church knew that the government wasn't playing. They knew that this was not uh, a joke. They knew that Peter was fixing to be executed, and so they began to pray. They began to pray for Peter, and the Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The believers in the New Testament church, and all you have to do is read through the book of Acts, it will show you that they handled desperate situations, they handled desperate persecutions with strong, unceasing prayer. In Acts 12, in, in the scripture setting we just read, it looked like Peter was facing this impossible situation. He was bound to guards. He had extra guards. He was in, he was in a lockdown prison. He was in uh, solitary confinement, so to speak. He was in maximum security, so to speak. And so he's facing an impending execution, and it looked like it was impossible. I doubt the early church could have rallied enough commandos or enough mercenaries to go to try to free Peter with some type of military action. There was no negotiation. 
There was no peace accord. There was no uh, Henry Kissinger to go to the government and begin to intercede or plead on Peter's behalf. So the church only had one option, and that was to begin to pray. Now, God has a tendency to work in impossible situations. Reminds me of the quote a couple weeks ago that I read, and I think I've shared it with you, that God doesn't do the impossible until we have done the possible. It's when we reach the end of our rope, it's when we reach the end of the road, so to speak, that we've done everything we can do, we've, we've exhausted all of our efforts and all of our resources that God will sometimes show up and do the impossible. Uh, oftentimes doing that so that uh, we can get the glory for what he does. Uh, the Bible says he does not share his glory with any. So if we think that we did it, uh, we can kick back and say, boy, we're pretty good. Uh, so God often waits for us to do the possible. The Bible says in Luke 18, 27, and Brother Nathan, there's a lot of scriptures uh, that I'll just mention and, and move on. I didn't give you. Uh, but the Bible says in Luke 18 and 27, the things which are impossible with men become possible with God. And uh, that is so true. So God answers every prayer, and God answers a consistent, persistent prayer prayed by desperate people. The Bible says in James 5, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here is the key to that. It has to be effectual, and it has to be fervent. Effectual and fervent, and it availeth much. People persistently prayed over Peter's situation, and even though I don't know that they completely believed it, God answered their prayer anyway. They were not expecting Peter to stand at the gate. The girl walked out and saw him and left him standing there. They did not expect him to be there. And oftentimes is the case, as we discussed last week, that God answers our prayer in a way we were not expecting, so we don't always see the, the answer. Jesus proclaimed in Matthew 21, 13, My house shall be called a house of prayer. When the church was established in the book of Acts, and we understand the book of Acts is the establishment of the church, the Bible says they continued daily in prayer. It was something they did every day. And I trust and pray that everybody in this room has a daily prayer life. Uh, it is very difficult and it is very hard to have a relationship with someone you don't speak to. Thought I'd at least get one nod or an amen on that. If you don't think that's true, don't speak to your spouse about six months. Don't speak to your kids. Don't speak to your boss. When he walks up and says, I need to talk to you about a particular project, turn around and walk away. Don't say a word to him. Watch what happens. You'll find it's going to be very difficult for you to continue your employment relationship if you act like that. So uh, speak to God. It's hard to have a relationship with someone 
that you'd ever speak to. The Bible says they continue daily in prayer. It's been said that right decisions repeatedly done will eventually achieve a compound success. When you make the right choice and you do it over and over and over, eventually your success will be compounded. And this is true in the area of prayer. As we continue to ask God and we continue to seek from God and we continue to knock on heaven's door with prayer, the answer will come to us. The Bible says in Matthew 7 and 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So here Jesus is giving us the, the uh, formula for successful prayer. Ask, again, going back to what we talked about a little bit last week, it's going to be hard to receive if you never ask. There is, uh, in the company that I work for, they do not give pay raises. No pay raises are given. Everybody on their anniversary date of their employment, the company sets up for that year, uh, that calendar year, a percentage uh, of pay, of merit increase. And so whatever that merit increase percentage is for that year, when you, on your anniversary date, you receive that percentage raise. Other than that, going to the boss and asking for a pay raise won't work. They will not give you one. So it does not matter how valued you feel. If you go to them and say, you know, I feel like that I deserve a $5 an hour pay raise, they're going to ask you when your anniversary date is. Tell them, well, it's August the 9th, okay? On August the 9th, you will receive, and the corporate has said it's 2%, that's what you'll get. Other than that, they don't give pay raises. But they always tell you it doesn't hurt to ask. So somebody this past week asked. The funny thing about it, and let me just kind of digress here a little bit. The funny thing about it is it's one of those people that never does anything. <laughs> and it's amazing how valuable they believe nothing is. And uh, so they're, they, all they do is they're complaining about their pay. Uh, they complain to everybody about it. It's gotten back to the managers that every time they talk, all they complain about is their pay. And I'll have nothing, nothing to do with it. I don't have a dog in that fight. And, and, but I would love to walk up to them and say, you know, you agreed to go to work for this amount of money. The point is it doesn't hurt to ask. In God's economy, he doesn't set up percentage of merit increases. God doesn't set up corporate rules and regulations like we set, have set up or some of our minds are set up. God doesn't do that. So when you go to God, He doesn't have a predetermined uh, or a uh, a set of guidelines that He's going to say, "Okay, everybody this year gets one or two prayers answered, and once you hit your quota, it's over." God doesn't look at people and say, "Well, your circumstance doesn't dictate that I respond." God doesn't look at people and say, "You don't uh, deserve a prayer answered," or 
you've not been good enough or you've not been righteous enough or whatever the circumstance is. God does not hold anything uh, against us when it comes to answering prayer. He is likely to answer any prayer at any moment for anybody. The one thing we must do is ask. We have to verbalize to God our petition. And every prayer is answered. So you must seek. You must seek. You must ask. You must knock. Uh, knocking, most people when they knock on the door, or they don't just go and stand there. Usually knocking refers to more than one because you just get a knock. And it's likely that those people will never hear that because what's the first thing somebody does? Man, somebody just knock on the door. You don't hear anything. And you sit back down. So knocking refers to more than one. You got to sometimes bang on the door. I have a friend of mine that was a sheriff's deputy. I talked to him several years ago, and he was telling me about a, a complaint they had. He had to go to this, this house and talk to the owner and, he said when he walked up, he knocked on the door and they wouldn't answer. He said he knocked on the door harder and they would not answer. And he said he was getting frustrated. And so he banged on the door with the bottom of his fist just as hard as he could. And he knew they were in there. They wouldn't respond. And so he took out his flashlight and he used that flashlight and beat on that door and finally... The lady opened the door and he said as soon as she did, he could tell why they didn't answer. He said the music was on so loud, he, he was screaming at her face to face and he could not communicate with her. She had to go turn the music off so they could communicate. Uh, so uh, knocking implies more than one just little rap and then you're done. Talk to God, ask God, verbalize to God, knock on heaven's door, pray. Pray, 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 pray. If you say, well, God's not answering my prayer, yes, he did. God answers every prayer as soon as it is prayed, and we covered that last week. Our job is to continue to pray, and the answer that we want is not always the answer that we get, but there are times when God says, just wait, and there's that calendar day on God's, on God's calendar. It may be November the 3rd of 2012, God says, I'm going to answer your prayer on that date. Just get there. Just make it there. Continue to walk by faith. Don't give up and don't quit. All throughout the book of Acts, the Bible gives us examples of prayer that the church prayed in unison. They prayed together. They prayed as a corporate body. And I won't read them, but I'll just tell you where they are. Acts 1 and 14 Acts 2 and 42, Acts 4 and 24, Acts uh, 12 and 5, and Acts 13 and 2. And you can read those stories later. There's a story told, and all of us probably are familiar with it, but it is an incredible uh, example of how we should pray. How many remembers the story of the rabbit and the hare? Or the turtle and the hare? Let me back up. Turtle and the rabbit, whichever way you want to call it. The rabbit.
rabbit was fast. He was quick. If you've ever seen Bugs Bunny's rendition of this story, the turtle was fast too because he had a big jet engine in his shell that would pop out and fly him down the road. But in the real story, I don't think that was actually true. But the rabbit was fast, and the old turtle, you know, they can't move all that fast. I mean, if you see a turtle wide open, it's just not really getting it. Um, but as you know, the story, the, all the little turtle could do was just move on. So the rabbit would just take off, and he would fly. Just He would get it down the road, and he would get tired and want to take it easy. So he'd kick back against a tree, and he'd grab his big glass of lemonade, and he would sit there, and he would sip on lemonade and, and take a, a, a leisurely break because he was so far ahead of the turtle, but the turtle's steady, methodical, slow-paced uh, trot would, uh, I guess, wide open for him, would, would eventually catch him up to the rabbit, and he would look over, and there's the, there's the turtle, and the rabbit would say, oh my goodness, and the old turtle's caught up to me, I guess I'll take off again, and so he would take off, and sometimes he'd run backwards, and you know, he would lay down and wave, and he would trot around, he'd make circles around the turtle, all of these things. And so the rabbit would get tired again, and, and so he would lay down, and this time, you know, he'd grab him a, a big glass of sweet tea with the right amount of lemon squeezed in it, and he would kick back in the lawn chair, and he would take a sip of that, and he was just having himself a great time because there's no doubt in the turtle's mind that he was going to win. And if, it, if I was a betting man, I would have to put my money on the rabbit because we all know the rabbit can outrun the turtle. But in the story, the rabbit, in one of these breaks, just before the finish line, he's going to showboat a little bit. He's going to wait for the turtle to get there. And just as the turtle gets to the finish line or close to it, the rabbit's just going to trot right on past and He's going to win the race easy, no problem, because I've got it all handled. But just before the finish line, the rabbit kicks back, and, you know, he's got his big glass of sweet tea and probably eats him a nice meal, and you know what happens after. It's exactly what's going to happen to some of us after church today. We're going to eat a nice meal, have a big glass of tea, and then what's going to happen? The spirit of slumber begins to hit. And so the rabbit, after he gets done eating and drinking, he decides to kick back and he's going to take him just a little nap, just a little sleep to kind of help him with his energy for the last uh, spot of this race. And, and while he's sleeping, here comes the turtle. The turtle passes him up and makes it to the finish line long before the rabbit does. The moral of that story as it relates to prayer, is that when we consistently pray and persistently pray, we can expect God to help us to reach the finish line or to reach the place of his answer. Persistent and daily prayer, consistent prayer, is more beneficial to you. It is more beneficial to your circumstance, it is more beneficial to your situation than is the prayer of a person that only prays when they have an urgent request. There is a man that I've met.
a time or two. And he has visited our church several months ago. He's been here one time. And he doesn't have a lot of good things to say about church, about God, about any of that. Any of that. He humored some of his family members when he was here. From what I understand, wasn't real impressed, didn't really care. Last week, I think it was, or week before last, whatever it was, uh, I understand he asked the church to pray for, I think, one of his family members or something that was sick and not doing very well and was not expected to do. It's amazing, isn't it, that when desperate situations happen and desperate times come along, people that don't even really believe in God all of a sudden want to pray and they want the church to pray. And there's nothing wrong with that and we should and and I don't hold it against this person. And I, I pray that God would minister to that need, show up, show off, heal them. That person could never deny it wasn't God. And there, uh, maybe that would encourage that person to get their life right with God. And all that's fine. But the point is, we're all going to pray during the, the desperate situation. We're all going to pray during the desperate times. But it's that slow, consistent, methodical, every day. I talk to God. Every day I pray. Every day I communicate. Every day I submit myself to the will of God. I do that every day. And so when that need comes around, then it's not a big shock to God that he hears from you. There is a, from what I understand, is a very true story about a young girl. Uh, I believe this happened in Houston, Texas area. She was about 11 or 12 years old. And and this little girl was sold out to God. She was sold out to God. And, and every day since she had been nine, every day since she had been nine, at nine o'clock in the morning, she would pray. Whether she was at school, it did not matter. She was going to pray. And, and days off from school and during the summertime when she wasn't at school, she would go to her bedroom and she would lock her door at nine o'clock every morning and she would begin to pray. Sometimes she would pray for an hour. Sometimes it was an hour and a half or two hours. Sometimes it was 30 minutes. Whatever it was, she prayed every day at 9 o'clock in the morning. They said when she was at school, she would simply bow her head at her desk and, and just offer a two or three minute prayer to God, just saying, God, I'm thinking of you, and I love you, and I appreciate you. This young, child, this young girl was involved in an automobile accident. She was put on life support. The evening after the accident, that evening, they called her parents aside and, and said, we don't think that she's going to make it. Uh, she, is, she is so messed up. Her body is so mangled. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of strength, and we just don't think that she is going to, be, to, to make it. And they put her on life support, and, and they called the family together, and, and they said, you need to make a decision in the morning. Uh, you know, there are some, some organs that we can harvest, and so on. Next morning, about 9.30, the doctor comes into the family and they said, Doctor, we have made our decision. He said, I want y'all to hold on. For some reason, at about 9 o'clock this morning, about 30 minutes ago, her whole situation has begun to change. She is, her vital
Those signs are coming back stronger than we've seen them. It looks like she's fighting. And we just want to hold on and see what happens. And every day for the next week, at 9 o'clock in the morning, just like clockwork, she would just do this massive improvement. And it dawned on her mother that this is my child's prayer book. My baby went to God every day at 9 o'clock in the morning, and now at 9 o'clock in the morning, God is missing this communication with this young child. And so where she used to go to him, now every day at 9 o'clock, he's coming to her. That's what a consistent prayer life does. It's daily prayer, daily prayer. Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. I can't stress to you enough how important prayer is. Just a few minutes every day. Uh, Brother Billy Thornton one day, was he was reading a book about one of the old, uh, the old uh, preachers back in the turn of the century and this guy had kept a, a diary of all of the great things that God had done. And, uh, some of you have heard his name. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, he said that uh, in this diary, he got very sick, and, and he was in the bed, uh, very, very, very sick, and said that he lamented in his diary that today I only got to pray two hours. I said, only, huh? Only got to pray two hours. In other words, he was disappointed that he only got to pray two hours. It's so important to pray. The apostles in the book of Acts decided that prayer was so important that they stopped ministering or waiting on tables. Uh, and, and there's a concept in there that they they left off the daily uh, uh, the, the daily provision, the daily taking care of the saints in the book of Acts. And they said, we're going to get seven elders. You take care of that. Because in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, he said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer is so important. And God hears the prayer of the desperate. The church was desperate for Paul. And God heard the prayer. The Bible says in Matthew 11, and 12, and this is an incredible scripture reading that, that people question, and it took me a long time to understand what it was about. And the Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Uh, and Jesus went on to explain that. But the Bible, the, the same verse in the uh, New International Version says, was forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. It shows us. That, that just regular human beings have the ability and the power through prayer to force our way into heaven, into the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist did it with baptism. He started baptizing people before God was ready for people to be baptized. Baptism was for the book of Acts. John the Baptist did it before Jesus started his ministry. And of that re for that reason, Jesus made this comment. So it is possible for human beings through prayer and through their, their, their passion and through the desperate cry of the, the, the heart and the spirit of a man or a woman, it is possible 
to get into heaven, to press your way into the kingdom of heaven and receive from God something God's not ready to give you yet. I know that seems like a hard stretch. I know it seems like, oh, Brother Merrill, I'm not so sure that I believe that. But it's true, and I've seen people, I've seen it in my own life where uh, there's a story of a missionary from South America whose wife became very ill, very, very ill, and uh, took her to the doctor. They knew what was wrong with her. They told her there was no treatment for that, so he brought her back to the United States to get better medical care and uh, was very dismayed by the same prognosis from the doctors here. There's no treatment. There's nothing we can do. We'll make her comfortable. We'll, she'll live or has about six months to live, and then that'll be it. It'll be over. And so this missionary falls on his face, and he begins to pray. He begins to intercede to God on behalf of his wife, and God says, no, I won't heal her. And the missionary began to remind God of all the things that he had done and sacrifices that he had made, and, and God still told him no. I am not going to heal your wife. And for, for several weeks this went on and on and on. And God kept telling him, no, I won't heal her, but would not give him an answer. And the man continued and continued and continued to pray until finally God healed her. It reminds you also of the story of Hezekiah in the Old Testament when the Bible says that God sent the prophet to tell him to Hezekiah, King, get your house in order, for you're surely going to die. And Hezekiah, the Bible says, turned and faced the wall and began to pray, God, don't you remember how I brought Israel back? Don't you remember how I tried to get them to serve you? Don't you remember what I've done, destroyed the idols, and I've done all of these great things? And the prophet wasn't even out of the palace yet. He was in the inner court. And God talked to him and said, turn around and go back and tell Hezekiah, I've added 15 years to his life. It's people that pray desperately. You pray passionately. Yes, God answers that. And yes, it is possible to get an answer from God that God was not ready to give yet. It does happen. So never quit praying. Never quit praying. Some of you have heard of this guy, Brother J.P. Hughes. How many of you have heard of Brother J.P. Hughes? Anybody? One or two? Brother Hughes has been around a long time. Fantastic man of God. And uh, has taught many years uh, in, in educational uh, in Bible schools and stuff like that. And he has said there's four reasons why the desperate people, people that are desperate, get their prayers answered. First of all, he says, desperate people do not care what others say. Take into account the lady with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9 and blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. They were desperate for the answer to their prayer and they didn't care what anybody else said. They got rid of the pride. Blind Bartimaeus, they told him, shh, you're too loud. And he said, okay, I will 
want to see that. I'm so desperate to see that I don't care that you're telling me to hush. I'm going to get louder, and I'm going to holler even louder. I'm going to pursue God even more. The second reason that Brother Hugh says that desperate people get their prayer answered is the desperate people don't care if what they're doing has never been done before. Humanity is a creature of habit, and we like to follow uh, through places or through ways that other people have done it. Well, if God answers sister so-and-so's prayer after a seven-day fast, well, then I'm going to do a seven-day fast, and maybe God will answer my prayer then. But a person that gets desperate, a person that's desiring that God answer their prayer more than anything, it doesn't matter how it happens. All they care about is that it happens. And so they will do whatever it takes, even though anybody, nobody else has ever done it before. One person said what is popular is not always right, and what is right is not always popular. Take into account Esther. It did not bother her that nobody else had ever gone before the king without being requested before. That did not bother her. She said, if I don't get called and I walk into his presence, they're likely to kill me. But that doesn't bother me. I have to save my people. And if I die, I die. That's fine. Nobody's done it this way, but I'm going to try it. Desperate people doesn't matter if the trail has ever been blazed before you. The third thing is that desperate people don't often care how impossible the request that they're asking for is. Well, that's a mouthful right there. They don't look around and say this is impossible. They don't look around and say, well, I don't think that God can do this or it's not worth praying about. When you get desperate enough, it doesn't matter how impossible it looks, you'll just pray and believe anyway. Remember, Joshua in the Old Testament asked God. It looked impossible, but he asked God, he prayed about it, and the world stood still, and the sun stood still for the space of a day. He got an additional eight or ten hours of daylight, and the world stood still for Joshua because he asked about it. It did not matter that it looked impossible. The desperate don't care what they have to go through to get what they want. Again, the lady with the issue of blood struggling through the cloud. Sometimes there are some physical uh, things. Sometimes there's some stuff that we must do to get to the place of our miracles. Sometimes we have to continue to walk. Sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. Sometimes there's some struggle. Sometimes there's some worry. Sometimes there's all this stuff, but it doesn't matter. We have a focus, and I'm desperate about my prayer, and I'm desperate about it being answered, so none of that matters. Jacob had to wrestle with an angel to get the blessing that he wanted, and sometimes a desperate person will do whatever it takes. Somebody said one time, a person who makes the time to pray will find a God who takes the time to answer. It's a great, great quote. There was a missionary named Dan Crawford who was returning to a village 
in Africa after he had been on furlough here to the United States. It had been some time since he had been there. And he came across a flooded river in the jungle uh, that made it was impossible to, to pass over. There was no way to get across, no boats. Couldn't swim and it was too dangerous. And so they decided to camp on the river, on the side of the river that night, and they began to pray. And they asked God to show them how they could get across this river. God, we need a way across this river to reach this village. And during the night, a tree fell on the edge of that river and went all the way across it. And when they woke up the next morning, they found this tree had fallen right where they needed it to fall to cross the river. God answered the prayers of a desperate person. They walked across that, that tree and were able to get back to their village, God supplying their need. It may not have been what they expected, but it sure did work. God answers Psalms 55 and 17, the Bible says, Evening and morning and at noon, I will cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. I'm not saying today that we should not cry out and, and pray during our desperate times. We absolutely should. God will hear the prayers of a desperate person whether they've ever prayed before or not. But this morning as a child of God, we get an awesome opportunity to pray every day to a God that hears us and answers every prayer. I like to look at it this way, and some people, can you can agree or disagree, but I like to look at God in prayer kind of like the bank. I don't know much about banking. I don't have much in me. But every time you pray, it's like God takes a little bit of that. He takes that prayer and he deposits it in your account. And you pray the next day and he deposits that in your account. And he prays the next day and he begins. And you deposit this and you continue to deposit prayer. Well, after a while, it begins to build up. And then when something happens and you're emotionally or physically or or mentally or spiritually spent, you've exhausted everything that you have, go to your savings account. You can go to the bank and begin to withdraw some of what you've invested over the years in prayer. I've done it many times in my life, been able to go to God and say, God, there's, there, I need something now, and it doesn't lie within me to do it. So I'm having to bank now. I'm having to withdraw some of what I've invested over all of these years, a daily consistent prayer life. In times of trial and times of struggle, it's one of the greatest assets that you can have. So I encourage you today, I promise you today, God answers every prayer, whether it's desperate or whether it's just an ordinary daily prayer, God will answer. Praise the Lord. Pray and let God bless you. Thank you this morning for uh, your attention. God bless you. We have a second service. It'll start in just a few minutes. Nobody go anywhere. We'll see you at 11.